0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, in this journey that we've been taking through the Gospel of John, we've been reminded that God didn't inspire John to write his Gospel so that we would know about Jesus. God actually inspired John to write this gospel so that we would know Jesus, so that we would actually be able to meet him for ourselves. And if you ask me to pick a passage out of John's gospel that illustrates that perfectly, a a passage in which it's like Jesus steps out of the pages of history, extends his hand and says, good to meet you. I would probably pick this passage, the passage that we're stepping into today in John Chapter 8. Let's jump in. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, "'Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery.'" In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So let's set the scene a little bit. Jesus is there in the temple courts. He's teaching probably a group of a couple hundred people are listening. And in the middle of Jesus' teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law drag in a woman caught in the act of adultery. Please understand the laws of proof in this culture. When it says that she was caught in the act of adultery, it literally means she would have had to have been caught in the act of adultery. So when they dragged her there in front of a couple hundred people and Jesus, she would have been naked or nearly naked. And then they look at Jesus and say, hey, how about it? Can we throw rocks at her until she's dead? All week long, I was trying to think of a word to express this moment for this woman. And the only word that I could keep coming up with is the word horror. This was literally horrifying. Completely ashamed. Completely terrified completely certain that her life is about to end in a gruesome and painful fashion, all the while thinking in the very back of her head, so this is the way it ends. If you're anything like me, it's at this point of the story that you start to ask yourself, where's the man? This isn't Rubik's Cube, it's not knitting, it's not solitary. It's adultery. It takes two. So where's the man? Well, if you read through this passage carefully, the context will show you that it is certain that this man was working with and for the Pharisees. So this man got away. I want to stop there for a second before I go any further. I want to ask you this question: Can you relate to anybody in this story? Can you relate to this woman? Have you ever been horrified? Have you ever been ashamed? Have you ever been terrified? Due to the anger, the condemnation, the judgment, or the hatred of another person or a group of people? Or maybe you can relate to the man who got away. See, other people look at you and they think, you have it all together, everything's looked after. But deep down inside, you know, there's things that you've said in your life that you wish you wouldn't have. There's things that you've done that you wish you wouldn't have. And if they knew about you, what you know about you, well, it turns out that the man who got away, he didn't really get away, did he? I wonder if you can relate on some level to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Why would they do this? See, I think it's a little bit too simple to stand up here and tell you, well, they did it because they were legalistic, you know. She broke the law, after all. She deserves to pay. I think that's too simplistic of an explanation. They did what they did that day because of their own selfish desires. You need to understand that in that culture at that time, the Pharisees were incredibly powerful. You say, well, how are how the Pharisees powerful? You tell me, if you were one of the 200 people in the temple courts that day and you witnessed what happened, would you want to cross the Pharisees? They're incredibly powerful. And with their power came prestige and money. But then Jesus steps into history and he begins to preach this message of love and grace and mercy. Love and grace and mercy. Love and grace and mercy. And and the message that Jesus is preaching, it threatens the power that you have. It, It threatens the shame and the terror and the horror that you bring to an entire population of people that feeds your power and feeds your prestige and feeds your ability to make money. So they decide, we need to stop this Jesus. Oh, and by the way, if we have to kill some woman who broke some law while we're doing it, so be it. I wonder can you relate to anybody in this story? Can I tell you the truth? I can relate to everybody. I think you can too. See, I think we all live in this imperfect world, don't we? Broke people, breaking people. Hurt people, hurting people. Shamed people, shaming people. Where did it start for you? Maybe for you it was parents. They should have built you up, but they tore you down. A mom or a dad, instead of loving you, they abandoned you or they abused you or they neglected you instead. Maybe it's a spouse who betrayed you. A friend who stabbed you, In the back. Maybe it was somebody who was very angry, and for some reason they took their anger out on you. See, I think we can all relate to that woman. Maybe not to this degree, but we've all been there. We've all been hurt. And I think that we can all relate to the man who got away who didn't really get away. I think deep down inside of you and deep down inside of me, There's things that we've done in our life that we wish we wouldn't have. There's people that look at us, and from the outside, we look really well-behaved, and we look like we have it all together, but deep down inside, we know that we're not quite everything that they think that we are. And I think that we can all relate to the Pharisees, too. I think the truth is is that there's been moments in your life that there's been moments in my life when our selfish desires have brought us to a place where we've actually hurt other people. We've caused other people pain. And it's so interesting because if what's true for me is true for you, if we can truly relate to everybody in this story, then I sure think that we should be leaning in to see what Jesus does. See the Pharisees come and they think they got Jesus. They got him trapped. They say, hey, we caught this woman in the act of of adultery. Can we throw rocks at her until she's dead? And if Jesus says, no, well, now they go away and they say, Jesus doesn't respect the law of Moses so they can discredit him in the eyes of the Jewish people. But at the same time, if Jesus says, yeah, have at her, that sounds like a great idea. Well, obviously, he discredits his entire message of love and grace and mercy. And not only that, the Romans have had to put in a law at this time which says that Jewish people aren't allowed to go around executing each other. They need permission from the Romans, so he would have been in trouble with the Romans also. So the Pharisees think, well, door number one or door number two, it doesn't really matter, we got them. And then what Jesus does is what he so often does. He chooses door number two. Three, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Don't miss this scene. So Jesus is teaching to a couple hundred people in the temple courts. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they want to make this a show. This timing is not accidental. They drag this woman in naked or nearly naked in front of the 200 people in front of Jesus and then they stand there. They stand there in a posture of power, a posture of superiority, a posture of condemnation. And you can imagine this woman. She's naked or she's nearly naked. So she's not standing tall. She's crouched down. She's trying to cover herself any way that she can. As those men stand there in postures of power. And what's the first thing that Jesus does? He bends down. He doesn't assume a posture of power. Like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. As they stand there and they point at her. Jesus identifies with her. Jesus stoops down on the ground as if to say, I'm with her. I'm with her. I'm not standing with you. I'm with her, and I guess I wanted to tell you before I go any further. Today, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's been done to you. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what you've said. I don't know what's been said to you. I don't know if you feel like in your life, there's a group of people, there's a group of voices around you that stand in this posture of power, pointing fingers of accusation and condemnation at you. But whether you're watching online right now, or whether you're here in person, I feel like Jesus would want me to tell you, to make it very clear to you, whether this is your first time joining us in church, or whether you've been a part of church your whole life, Jesus is with you. He doesn't stand pointing at you in this posture of power, he's with you. Throughout the years, scholars have asked, what was Jesus writing? You know, some say he was doodling, well, he was coming up with perhaps the greatest line in human history, by the way. Yeah, sure. Whoever here hasn't sinned, you go ahead and throw the first stone. Amazing, right? So maybe he was doodling while well, he was thinking. Maybe some of you do that. Others say, no, what he was doing is he was writing down a list of the sins that these men had committed, as if to say, you know what, who are you to judge? You're not so perfect yourself. See, I think Jesus might, he might, I don't know, but I think he might have picked door number three in this case also. See, I wonder sometimes if as Jesus stooped down on the ground, if he was writing out the names of people that had shown love and mercy and grace to those Pharisees and those teachers of the law. I wonder if Jesus was writing out the names of their mothers. Maybe a father, maybe a brother, maybe a sister, maybe a friend. See, we all want that, don't we? We all desperately want love and mercy and grace. Someone who looks at us at the lowest moment of our life and says, you are not what you've done. I still see you. I still love you. You still matter. There's still hope. See, I wonder if Jesus wasn't writing out the names of their moms, and their friends, and their dads—the ones that had shown them mercy. Because I know this story is often referred to in the Bible as the woman caught in adultery. I sometimes wonder whether it—I wonder whether it should be called the man caught with rocks in their hands. Because I wonder, as Jesus wrote out the names of the people that shown them love and mercy and grace, I wonder if at some point they thought, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be this person anymore. All I know is that one by one they put down their rocks and they walked away until it was just Jesus and this woman. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. 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 Can you believe that statement? I wonder if you and me really realize what that statement cost Jesus that day. Because it's probably important that you and I understand that Jesus knew what it was going to cost him. Like in that moment, in the temple courts of Jerusalem, darkness came striding in with that woman. Darkness walked in. And with darkness comes condemnation and shame. With darkness comes despair and death. In that moment in the temple courts of Jerusalem, darkness walked up to Jesus and said, What's it going to be, Savior? What's it going to be, Messiah? What's it going to be, Jesus? It's going to be you or her. It's going to be you or her, Jesus. Who's going to pay? Who's going to take the rocks? Who's going to take the shame? Who's going to take the condemnation? Who's going to take the despair? Who's going to take the death? And without blinking, Jesus said, let it be me. See, I wonder if we realize when we read that simple line, then neither do I condemn you. I wonder if we knew. I wonder if we know what it was going to cost Jesus. Because he did. See, six months later, in this same city of Jerusalem, Jesus paid. Darkness showed up that day. Jesus was betrayed by one of his 12 best friends. He was arrested, and then the rest of his 12 disciples scattered because they were afraid. Jesus was whipped and beaten and mocked and spit on. They took this crown of thorns, long two-inch thorns, and and they made it because some people called Jesus the king of the Jews. And so they took that crown of thorns and they shoved it down on his head. And while he was already low on blood because of the blood that he would have shed as he was whipped within an inch of his life, they shoved that crown of thorns into his scalp so that blood was running down his face. And then they took a purple robe, again a mockery of this sense of royalty, and they shoved it on his back, which at this point would have been shredded to the point of non-recognition. They patted the purple robe on his back and then they forced him to carry a cross through that city of Jerusalem until he got to a hill called Calvary. By this time, the robe would have been somewhat stuck to his back. They tore it off, and then they hung him naked from a cross. While well, he struggled against asphyxiation, breath after breath after breath, until he breathed one last breath, and he said, "It." it. It is finished. An historical record says that darkness descended upon the city in that moment. It went from like the middle of the day into the middle of the night instantly. And darkness showed up. And darkness danced. And darkness celebrated. And darkness rejoiced. Darkness had won. But, but I wonder, in the midst of the celebration, I wonder, in the midst of the rejoicing, whether darkness misheard Jesus. I, I, I wonder whether darkness thought that Jesus said, I am finished. Because Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, it is, it is finished. It is finished. Jesus said, darkness doesn't rule here anymore. Shame doesn't rule here anymore. Condemnation doesn't rule here anymore. Despair doesn't rule here anymore. Death no longer gets the last laugh. It is finished. Darkness descended across the land. Let me put this a different way. And God said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. On the third day, Jesus defeated darkness once and for all. Darkness rejoiced, but I wonder, did it mishear our savior? Did darkness think that Jesus says, I am finished? He didn't. He said, it is finished. Then neither do I condemn you. Do we understand the cost that Jesus paid to make that statement? Cause he did. He knew exactly what he was saying. I find that a little bit emotional. I find that really emotional. Because I look at my life, and I'll bet you can do the same. I look at my life, and I think about the times that darkness has come striding into my life. I think about the times that darkness has come striding into my life, bringing all the shame and all the condemnation and all the despair and all the death along with it. And I remember that every single time, my Savior showed up too. And when darkness got in his face and said, what's it going to be, Jesus? Somebody's going to pay. Is it going to be you or is it going to be Mike Manus?" Jesus, without blinking, said, let it be me. And he knew, and he knew, and he knew what it would cost What a story. What a savior. You know what I mean? That's what I mean when I say you want to pick a passage where Jesus stepped out of the pages of history and said, pleased to meet you. This is it. And so I want you to know right now, if there's voices arrayed against you right now, voices of condemnation, voices of shame, voices of despair, Whether coming from the outside or coming from the inside, I wanna remind you that Jesus would want me to tell you right now, they're not true. It's just not true. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. There is no condemnation for you. When darkness shows up in your life, bringing all the shame and all the condemnation along with it, Jesus steps up. And darkness says it's gonna be you or her. Jesus, without blinking, will say, "Let." It be me, and he always will. Then neither do I condemn you. One last line in this story. Go now. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus looks at this woman and says, go now and leave your life of sin. It's interesting because if you look carefully in your Bible... For some of you, your version might have written along the side of this passage that some of the earliest manuscripts do not include these events. And there's three reasons for that, by the way. I should be really clear. So, so let me just say, before I give you the three reasons, there, there is no doubt that these events happened, that this actually occurred, that Jesus met this woman. It happened exactly how it happened. However... There's three reasons why some say some of the earliest manuscripts didn't include it. Number one is this. There are some scholars that aren't sure whether this is the proper timeline, where it should fit in the Gospel of John. Others think that maybe this should be in the Gospel of Luke instead of the Gospel of John. But there's a third reason that I think you'll find interesting. The early church father Augustine. The early church father Augustine in the 300s said this. We didn't include it in some of our manuscripts because we were so afraid. We were so afraid that when people saw this story, they were gonna think that Jesus was okay with adultery. Isn't that an interesting concept? See, the truth is, Jesus is not okay with adultery. He's not okay with sin but he sure is okay with sinners, thank God. He sure is okay with me, thank God. He sure is okay with you, thank God. Jesus is not okay with sin, but he sure is okay with, with sinners. He's not okay with sin because sin hurts people. It, it hurts the woman caught in adultery. It hurts the man who thought he got away, but he didn't really get away. It hurts the man caught with rocks in their hands. But please understand this. When Jesus says, go now and leave your life of sin, it's not an injunction. Absolutely crucial we understand this. It's not an injunction, it's an invitation. An injunction would say this, oh, would you please get your stuff together? come on now, you got this, figure it out, it's not what Jesus is saying, it's an invitation, it's a beautiful invitation, Jesus is saying this, hey, I have an idea, how about this, how about we step out of the darkness and into the light, I'll help you, how about we step out of the shame, how about we step out of the anxiety, how about we step out of the insecurity? How about we step out of the dysfunction into something beautiful? And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Light in place of darkness. Hope in place of despair. Forgiveness in place of shame. Life, life, life in place of death. And God said, Let there be light. Hey, come on. Let's go out of the darkness into the light. Let's go. You wanted me to, if you wanted me to pick a passage, pick some events that were like Jesus stepping out of the pages of history and saying, hey, good to meet you, it'd be this, it'd be this. Let's pray, I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads right now. So where are you at? Whether you're watching online or in person right now, I guess I have a question for you. Can you relate to any of the people in this story? Can you relate to the woman in the most horrifying of days? Can you relate to the man who got away but he didn't really get away? Is there a part of you that thinks of stuff that you've done, stuff that you said and you just can't move past it? Or maybe you can relate to the man caught with rocks in their hands because you would have to admit that there's been times in your life when your own selfish desires have caused you to hurt other people. What I want to tell you is no matter where you're at right now, Jesus is with you. He doesn't stand in a posture of condemnation. He kneels down beside you. He is with you. He died so that you can be clean, so that you can be brand new. And then he rose again. He rose again so that we can too, out of the darkness, out of the darkness, out of the darkness, into so much more. Let there be lights so with all heads bowed and all eyes closed I just want to ask you if today is the day that you invite Jesus Jesus that's where I want to go into hope into light into life that's where I want to go because of you because of everything that you've done because of your love for me that's where I want to go I want to ask you just to raise your hand right now because I want to pray for you nice and high if you don't mind if you're online and it's safe to do so I would love it if you would raise your hand also hands up all over the place okay if your hand is up right now you can put it down i'm gonna pray out loud and i just invite you to pray silently along with me jesus thank you i come to you right now just as i am i thank you that you're with me and that you're for me i love you so i ask you today to make me clean make me new invite you to be my savior and my Lord. Thank you that you died for me and you also rose again. I wanna follow you out of the darkness and into the light, today, tomorrow, and forever, a life worth living. I thank you in your name, I pray, amen, amen. Let's celebrate. A few years ago, Leah Dirksen wrote this song And and, and it's called clean and it's all about this story. These events, Jesus stepping out of the pages of history and saying, good to meet you, and then when the song's over, I'm going to come back up and you know what I'm going to talk about when I come back up? I'm going to talk about the fact that you need to get baptized. Okay. So I'm just warning you and and, and, okay. And and some of you didn't sign up, but that's okay because we, we, we got to change your clothes. We got gel, I don't know if we have gel. We might, I don't know, we probably do. I have some, you can borrow it, okay? Um, we, got, we got towels, we, like everything that you could possibly need. So if you just raised your hand, by the way, your next step is baptism. So as we're singing this song of celebration about how Jesus makes us clean, please understand he also calls us into the light and part of that, well, I'll, I'll tell you in a second, but just get ready. Because even if you didn't sign up today and you haven't been baptized, we're going to do it. It's going to be amazing. Why don't you stand? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.